Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. I am Jeffrey Hayes, and today on the show, we spotlight the ASRM Practice Committee. Joining us today is Dr. Alan Penzias, chair of the ASRM Practice Committee. Dr. Penzias is a board-certified reproductive endocrinologist at Boston IVF and an associate professor at Harvard Medical School. He specializes in all aspects of fertility care. Dr. Penzias, thank you for being back on the show today. Thank you for having me, Jeff. So we're talking all things practice committee over the next few episodes, and I want to start maybe, you know, our our general membership uh, isn't aware of of the history of the practice committee or even it's sort of its, its general role. That's great. And I'd love to be able to share with the membership what the practice committee does. Many people are familiar with going to the website, finding the documents, and then reading them and using them to help guide their practice in an evidence-based manner. But what happens behind the scenes is I look at the practice committee as probably my favorite committee at the ASRM and the one that I'm very, very passionate about. A couple of reasons for that, because the practice committee is really quite representative of the larger society of the ASRM that we live in. The membership of the practice committee is constituted by having representatives from all of our affiliate societies, SRS, Society for Reproductive Surgeons, the SREI, Reproductive Endocrine and Infertility, SRBT, Reproductive Biology and Technology, SART, SMRU. So those are the big contributors from our affiliate societies. We also have a member of the committee who represents the Patient Education Committee, an ACOG representative, the uh, president-elect of ASRM, three at-large members selected as volunteers, a consulting epidemiologist, the CEO of ASRM, the chair, who's myself, and uh, the CESO, the chief education and uh, scientific officer. So there's 16 people who help guide the formation of the documents that we all use. So all of these different folks, 16 different people, you're as chair of this. What, what then is your, is your role? Are you more a facilitator or do you try to keep moving things along? How does, how does the chair work? The way that the chair works is it gives me uh, some input into how we decide what documents that are new will be generated. And a lot of the ideas actually do come from membership. We know that because we represent and the representatives on the committee are from the quite a wide array of constituencies within the ASRM, we generally have a pretty good handle on what's important in the field and what's going on, but by no means have an exclusive. And really, we're here to serve the membership. So if you were to look on the ASRM practice committee uh, document page, you would notice that there's a place, submit a topic. And we take those very seriously. We really want input, what the members find interesting and helpful. We'll also get emails directly to ourselves or through staff to help bring up topics. And we keep a running list so that we really do take these very seriously. And I know that it's, you know, we don't have statistics in front of us at this moment, but would you say that response is usually fairly robust or or fairly good when these general emails go out or when the call goes out for people to sort of weigh in on these documents? Absolutely. So once we decide upon a topic, and this is where I have a role in kind of helping 
organized in a sequence of the documents. We look at the different topics. We then make a determination as to whether we're going to study a new topic because of its importance and timeliness. We decide what kind of document it's going to be, whether a guideline, a committee opinion, or a guidance document. And we're going to have further discussions at some other point about how guidelines get developed and some of the fine nuanced differences. But then once the guideline, once the document, once the topic is selected, the committee actually has a hand in deciding what the scope of the document will be. Generally, we try to keep the documents so that they're between five and eight pages in length. But what will, what's really important about the process is that once we have the topic, we have a member of the committee lead a task force, and the task force we actually then draw from members. We want volunteer members who have an interest in the subject matter and expertise because they're going to be having a, a vested interest in, in helping us understand. We have uh, a, usually a fellow involved. We have somebody who's been a Crest scholar. We then develop the document, and the timeline takes about 12 to 18 months from concept to publication. But one of the features that I think is most important is member review. Once we've got the document drafted, you may notice in your inbox, if as an ASRM member, you'll get an email blast that says, here's a link to a document that has not yet been released, but is getting ready to be published by the ASRM Practice Committee. We then gather comments from anybody who's a member of ASRM. You can read the document, do a peer review on it, submit your comments. And we take these documents and we take those comments very seriously. I can't tell you the number of times that after we think that we've got a document that's ready to go, we'll get some excellent feedback from our membership and it'll really guide and shape the way that the final document looks. So please do weigh in. I encourage everybody, you know, when you get that email blast, go review the document, send us your comments because we do, we do take them very seriously and they really help make the documents great. So we've been discussing a bit about the, the role of the practice committee, its history and sort of what your role is as chair. What then is the importance of the committee? It seems again, you, the committee has to publish all of these different types of documents, and all of them are so important towards <laughs> in reproductive medicine in general. So, so could you give us a general overview of sort of the, the importance of the practice committee? We know that the ASRM is relied upon by members to be the arbiter of truth and evidence-based practice. We know that you can go to a lot of different sources today. There's readily abundant information available with a few clicks on any handheld device to a, to a desktop computer that will bring information to your fingertips. What we really hope that the practice committee documents can do is take important and timely subjects, be able to do a thorough view of the literature, be able to filter that literature through the lens and ask questions that our practice people in practice want to know. How do you handle something? What do you do with something like a, our, our document on treatment of asymptomatic lyomyomata is one of my favorites because it answers a very fundamental series of questions that I will see in clinic several times a week. And when I want to be able to look for an answer to a question, I will frequently go to the ASRM practice committee documents because I know that they are produced in an evidence-based manner. They bring the most recent evidence to bear, and they're answering practical clinical questions. These are not textbooks that we're producing. We're not, they're not book chapters, and they're also not theoretical treatises. 
Now, we do cover a number of issues, and where other committees like ethics, there are things that we do that touch upon what the ethics committee does, and others spill over to us. But we also know that, again, the fundamental is what useful information can we bring to our members so that they can direct practice or start practice with a evidence-based floor. Now, this is not a cookbook for how to practice medicine, because we can't do that. And that's not, nobody wants that. But if I'm looking to, to try to treat somebody, I'll say, where am I going to start? And the first place I go is to the practice committee document. We are spotlighting the ASRM practice committee with committee chair, Dr. Alan Penzias today. And you can access practice committee documents over at our website, www.asrm.org, and click on news and publications. Dr. Penzias, Currently on the website, we have open access for anyone can go back as far as 2008 and take a look at the work of the practice committee. Are there any documents that you would like to point listeners towards? Well, I think that the um, the documents that exist from 2008 forward um, are the ones that we believe still have relevance, even as far back as 2008. All of these documents are reviewed and either reaffirmed or retired at intervals of at least of no more than five years. For members, one of the nice features as a member, if you remember having seen a document, maybe you have a favorite reference, and all of a sudden the document is updated and that, that paper goes away, as a member, you have access, once you log into the ASRM website, to all of the archived retired documents as well. They don't re- reflect current practice, but they do, in fact, reflect what you can go back in the archives and take a look at. Some of my favorite documents that I like and I refer to frequently, I've already mentioned the treatment of asymptomatic leiomyomata. There are some new documents produced in conjunction with the American Urological Association on uh, evaluation of male infertility uh, that is really up-to-date and very current and extremely comprehensive. We have documents on the treatment of the uterine septum. Again, a very interesting and common problem, a practical approach to how do you take a look at this? There are documents that I will come back to fairly frequently with respect to looking at viral transmission and things that I'm not, uh, that something's not necessarily at my fingertips. But again, I want a good, quick way and know that I can find it. So I'll go and I'll take a look. And in fact, When I'm trying to sort through this very long list, one of the nice things on the website is you can filter by topic. So if I'm looking for uh, female infertility, I can click that and all the relevant documents related to that or recurrent pregnancy laws, ovulation induction, male infertility, genetics, andrology and embryology. So there's many, many documents to choose from, and the website makes it quite easy to sort those out. And on a future episode, as we mentioned uh, earlier, uh, we're going to get a little bit more in-depth about practice committee documents. Dr. Penzias, you've talked about your vision, the vision of the committee, the goals of the committee, the importance of what these documents contribute. Is there anything else you would like listeners or members or or other uh, practitioners of reproductive medicine to know about the practice committee? I think that everybody, particularly those who are members of the ASRM, I would love people to volunteer. The structure and the methodology that we use for developing documents includes what I would describe as a task force. So we gather a group of people who are led by a practice committee 
member, but are from outside the practice committee. And that can include people who are recently in practice, people who are in practice for a long time, people who are in training as fellows. I would love people to get involved and volunteer. These are your documents. These are our documents as a field. We all have something to contribute. And I would love for people to see the practice committee as a great way of volunteering your time and your energy to help produce documents that will make the field better and that will help our patients that we try to serve. I've been speaking today with Dr. Alan Penzias, chair of the ASRM practice committee. Thank you so much for being able to take time out to do the show today. Thank you very much. I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.